minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thanks, Kyle. I I can guarantee a few things today. We are not going to be trashing anybody's Oreo preference for sure. We're not going to be calling people serial killers or sociopaths <laughs> just because I enjoy a little bit of extra filling in my Oreos and I don't have any human emotions. Doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me. <laughs> Or maybe it does. Yeah, this is America. You can have as much filling as you want in your I don't know. I'm I'm coming fresh off of listening to yesterday's show, and I was a little (laughs) upset about it. But before we get to the bulk of today's show, I understand you have some news to share that happened today. Yeah, that sounds so official, like I'm breaking this, which I'm not. But if you want to think that, that's awesome. We should have some breaking news music. Yeah, we need like a a drop right here, but we don't. So on Twitter on Thursday, Ryan Wood, he's the real guy told us about something that happened a long time ago, but we hadn't heard about, and that's that apparently offensive lineman Adam Pankey signed a two-year extension with the Packers late this past season. This is interesting because players like Pankey are usually unlikely to get multi-year deals from their team simply because their future is just so uncertain based on what they have or have not shown on the field. So it will be interesting to see what the Packers have in mind for Adam Pankey coming into 2019. Also, Rob Domofsky reported that the Packers have tender right guard Justin McCray. Uh, they are bringing him back on a one-year $645,000 deal. And just like f- with Fidel Brown, who was re-signed yesterday, these are one-year deals that are nowhere near a guarantee that these players will even make the 53-man roster. But it is a vote of confidence that the Packers do value them enough to keep them around the organization and see how they've grown over the offseason, how they might be able to help the team. And the Packers also have a few other exclusive rights free agents that most would expect back in camp with the team in 2019, including guard Lucas Patrick, edge rusher Reggie Gilbert, wide receiver Jake Kumaro, and tight end Robert Tanyan. Now, of course, Tanyan has been too busy working out and rooming with 49ers tight end George Kittle this offseason to get that deal done with the Packers. But we would expect that he and most of these guys uh, will be back with the Packers this coming season. Yeah, and that sounds like it would be a really great reality show, like George and Robert. You know, Tanya and Kittle. Some I don't know. I'd, I'd watch that. Anyways, so we <laughs> we are recording the show on Thursday night, and a, a few hours ago, it, a report came out from Jay Glazer that the Patriots had tried to acquire Randall Cobb during 2018, which brought me back to a tweet that I um, had sent out in January, wondering if the Packers maybe could have used Cobb the way the Patriots have used Edelman. And so it is curious that he does seem to be their type of player, and and I think the Patriots are honestly a team to watch when it comes to the Randall Cobb sweep stakes but now that we have a week between the combine and the start of free agency we thought we would have a little fun and do an entire first round mock draft where we are going to take control of all 32 draft spots and make the picks around the nfl 
We used the Draft Network's new mock draft tool to conduct the draft, and we actually got together earlier this week and did it. So way to put in some overtime, Kyle. There are a lot of fun mock drafting tools that we could utilize. Fanspeak is one that I'm very familiar with, but Draft Network just launched their new create your own big board and a mock draft that allows you to control as many teams as you want. And we had Joe Marino on the show from the draft network earlier this season. And I have to say that this is an awesome way to spend your time. If you're a draft Nick, like Kyle or myself. So you might be listening to this thinking, isn't this all going to change after free agency starts next week? Well, yes, certainly it will change a little, but I think the way teams look at certain players stays the same regardless of what their perceived needs are. And I think this is a useful exercise to see what players may actually fall to the Packers based on the other team needs and view of the players. And since I'm talking about this, I get to start and make the first pick. And so that makes me the Arizona Cardinals which Kyle thinks might be the worst franchise in the NFL based on the tweet I saw today. Um, So I won't take that personally, um, but I am going to take quarterback Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. And this is where the exercise really gets interesting because I would not take Murray because I actually believe in Josh Rosen and I don't like having a quarterback you have to build your offense around, which Kyler Murray certainly is going to be. But Cliff Kingsbury has been in love with Murray ever since Murray was in high school. And if you're going to take the risk of hiring a guy like Cliff Kingsbury who doesn't have a ton of experience, I have to think you give him the guy that he really wants in the draft. And this is also an interesting look at what the general manager, Steve Keim, has left for power in the organization because... Giving up on your quarterback you traded up for last year seems to be a really bad look for a returning general manager. It certainly does, and you know that his job security isn't probably great as it is. So that is an interesting move, if it is one that they indeed make. Rosen was my favorite quarterback in the class last year, so I hope for his sake that he may find a new place uh, to to get to play if he doesn't get to do so in Arizona. But we'll see how all that shakes out. Uh, But for here, Kyler Murray does go number one overall, which leaves, in my opinion, the best player in the draft still on the board for the San Francisco 49ers at number two overall. So we will select Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. And this is an easy pick for San Francisco, in my opinion. A really, just really a best case scenario for the 49ers here. They're able to get um, this player that they absolutely need at a position of need. And they don't really care if it's Arizona or someone else, but they're just happy that Kyler Murray goes above them to anyone. And getting Nick Bosa to fall here to number two is absolutely what they're hoping for happens on that Thursday night in April. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see these two players go one and two because then you'll have Nick Bosa hunting Kyler Murray twice a year for the the future of their careers. Absolutely. Um, so with, with Nick Bosa gone, um, having the New York Jets on the clock, I'm going to go with Edge Josh, Josh Allen from Kentucky. And I am very torn on this pick. Because on one hand, Josh Allen has the potential to be better than Nick Bosa. And elite edge players are really hard to come by. On the other hand, I think Quinn and Williams is the best player in this draft. And the Jets would only not draft him because they perceive edge as a bigger need than D-line. So I'm going to go with Allen here. 
Um, but one other player that was in serious consideration was wide receiver DK Metcalf, uh, which some people would call me crazy for thinking about him at number three. But I really think he has the skill set to be a difference maker, albeit maybe not in um, the agility area of his game. Or in the body fat area of his game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number four overall is Oakland, and they will select defensive lineman Quinnen Williams of Alabama. I really liked Josh Allen for Oakland here as a replacement for Khalil Mack. But since Andrew has him going ahead of us here at uh, to the New York Giants, I'm sorry, to the New York Jets, Quinta Williams is the best player available. And to me, it's not really close. So uh, John Gruden may prefer to go a different direction. But I think that Mike Mayock will be the calm to Gruden's crazy and make sure Oakland takes the best guy here. And to me, that is Quinta Williams. There is an interesting sort of case study to do on NFL general managers looking back at the draft and how certain players fell maybe a little bit later than they should have when they were the consensus top player and they slide to picks four or five. And I think sometimes for a general manager in the NFL, you just have to let the other horrible general managers get in their own way and let that player fall to you. And if this were to happen, Quinn and Williams is absolutely an opportunity to be a elite, elite player. And one thing that I've been pondering recently, recently, you know, in, in looking at Quinn and Williams, is an elite edge rusher really more valuable than an elite interior defensive lineman? So you have Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, and they have arguably made a bigger impact over the last two years than a player like Von Miller has, or maybe even Khalil Mack. So at any rate, I'm I'm giving Tampa Bay another edge rusher. Um, <laughs> that, that was just a totally random thought. But <laughs> so you're going to say it's better to take a defensive lineman or like an interior may, defensive lineman? I, I don't know that answer because we we overvalue edge rushers all the time. I think yeah. I think you see that across the NFL. I think you're and right. And may, maybe an elite interior defensive lineman is just as good as an elite edge rusher. And but, we're nowhere near pick 12, so we don't want to get too close into Green Bay territory here. But we do know that Mike Pettin has stated that he does not value just rushing off the edge that he thinks he can create pressure from the interior. So that is something to keep in mind as, you know, we apply these theories to the Packers for sure. Well, absolutely. And we're getting way off topic here, but if, <laughs> you, look back, <laughs> if you look back at, at Patton with the jets, he really had very average to below average edge rushers. And they were able to create a ton of pressure with defensive linemen and um, inside linebacker blitzes. Yeah, absolutely. But, Anyways, moving on. Uh, right. Tampa Tampa Bay at pick five. Um, I mean, I have them taking edge Rashawn Gary from Michigan, and that is because Gary is a physical freak, and he has a really really high upside. The Bucks have been linked to linebacker Devin White to replace Quan Alexander, but I don't know how you pass up a top notch pass rusher when one is available. Quarterback is another consideration, but Bruce Arians seems to be totally set on trying to get something out of Jameis 
Winston. So I went with Rashawn Gary. All right. And Gary is one of the players that I would be happy to see go above the Packers pick at 12. And Andrew is not shy of calling me on being a homer (laughs) as a Michigan fan. And I will be the first to tell you that Rashawn Gary is someone who has an incredible amount of talent, but hasn't always played up to that skill level at Michigan. So someone I am happy to see uh, go before the Packers at pick 12 here. But at number six, the New York Giants select their quarterback of the future in Dwayne. Haskins. All right. So they're excited to take another quarterback who cannot move to save his life, although it has been rumored that he is more of a runner than a passer. But Dwayne Haskins will be the statue back there for the New York Giants that they've always wanted. But uh, it's hard to know what the Giants are thinking, honestly, uh, especially at quarterback. They seem relatively committed to Eli for at least the short term, but they have to know that the clock is ticking for him. So here they get their quarterback of the future in Haskins without trading up, which is a huge value when we see a lot of these teams having to give up so much draft capital to move up to get their quarterback so a value here in getting Dwayne Haskins for the Giants so I have pick seven in the Jacksonville Jaguars and I am going to go with the previously mentioned wide receiver DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss Jacksonville needs a big outside weapon and they do not make them in a more ideal look and fit than Metcalf And yes, his agility is poor, but you shouldn't be asking this guy to line up in the slot and be a precision route runner. Metcalf can be a guy who distracts safeties, who can win 50-50 balls, and who is a monster in the red zone. Nick Foles had a lot of success with Elshon Jeffrey, and Metcalf can be a much more athletic version of Elshon. And did you see how I snuck in Nick Foles there, even though he's not on the Jaguars roster? I'm just assuming it's done. It, it like doesn't even sound like you're making an assumption. It just sounds like it's real like, life. Like he's just there, yeah. <laughs> he's just there. Uh, so moving on to Detroit, um, I have the Detroit Lions selecting Edge Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. And the Lions could go a lot of different directions here, honestly. They could use some secondary help. So what they actually think of Greedy Williams is big here. Uh, they could also go uh, with someone like DK Metcalf if he were still on the board. Obviously, he's gone. But you can totally see how the Lions would see the second coming of Calvin Johnson and someone like Metcalf. So uh, with him already off the board, though, Edge is a big need uh, that is left. And Brian Burns is tempting here. But I think they will prefer the thicker edge rusher. Uh, And so Sweat is the guy that they land here at pick number eight. Yeah, and Sweat is a really interesting draft evaluation because his tape showed one type of player, but his measurables show he could be a lot more than that. And can he be a pass rusher who beats you with speed and bend? I'm I'm not so sure. I, I didn't quite see that on his tape, but I know he has all the things that I put on a checklist for an ideal edge rusher. So that would be a really interesting one. Um, and hopefully, if he does get drafted by Detroit, he doesn't pan out. <laughs> but, but I got the Buffalo Bills at pick nine, and I'm going to take offensive tackle Jawan Taylor from Florida. And to me, this is the easy slam dunk pick of the first round. The Bills need to protect Josh Allen, and Taylor is the best tackle in the draft after Jonah Williams had a really modest performance at the Combine. I think you plug Taylor in at left tackle and let him start there for the next 10 years. Absolutely. I actually have the Denver Broncos here, and this was one of the toughest picks for me to make in this round just because... 
Denver could go in so many different directions and with the complications of the fact that they just added Joe Flacco as their quarterback. But it is hard for me to think that they don't realize that they, well, they may not realize it, but they don't have a plan for the future. And so I think that uh, taking someone like quarterback Drew Locke out of Missouri is a good move here. I think that uh, Locke's big arm and his personality are going to be too hard for John Elway to pass up at pick number 10. So that's where I'm going with the 10th overall selection for Denver. And the rumors are that the Broncos just uh, freed up their backup quarterback position by sending Case Keenum to Washington. So um, that that helps to um, lead into this assumption. And the blueprint really already exists. Elway signed Peyton Manning, and then he drafted Brock Osweiler in the same draft. And obviously they hope this one works out better for them. But the Broncos <laughs> have been linked to Locke since the Senior Bowl. And a side note, Drew Locke's legal name is Paul Andrew Locke. So he doesn't go by Paul. But it would be great if he went by Andrew Locke. And then we could have Andrew Luck against Andrew Locke. That would be so confusing. Right? And amazing. I, I never thought of that, but it just it popped in my head. So it caused me to do some really bizarre uh, Drew Locke research. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> Cincinnati at pick 11 needs offensive line help, and I really like offensive lineman Cody Ford from Oklahoma. You'll notice I didn't say tackle or guard because he nice. can help you in the interior immediately, and I think he has the feet to play tackle at the next level. So you probably start him at right tackle, going into um, the season and then shove him inside if he struggles there at all. In any case, I think you're getting a 10-year starter with this guy, and the Bengals absolutely need players who are reliable with a roster that seems relatively devoid of talent. Now, if this were the real draft, uh, our hearts would be pounding and we would be sweating as we waited on bated breath to find out who the Packers would take with this 12th overall pick. But since it's not, you guys are just hoping that I hurry up and get there. So um, with the 12th pick, uh, the Green Bay Packers select Brian Burns out of Florida State, um, which makes my heart so happy. But in this mock draft, uh, Burns and Oliver are both still on the board. Uh, but I decided to go with Brian Burns, who I think fills a need and does have that blue chip talent. I obviously love Burns and his performance at the Combine has absolutely cemented his stock as a top 20 player. So I feel really good about taking him here at 12 and I hope personally that this is the reality for the Packers come late April I don't know how Andrew feels about that yeah well I we had a ton of debate about this pick and that is why we are not doing this draft live because <laughs> people would be very annoyed with all of my interruptions of you and uh you know questioning what you're doing and, and you're I just actually sitting here in silence like thinking <laughs> I, I actually offered you a trade for this pick I I was the Cleveland Browns and I offered up pick 17 plus two third rounders um and and that would you know, if the Packers made a move like that, that would give them the ammunition to move up from 30 into the uh, early and mid-20s. They'd be able to move up from 44, probably to the end of the first round, using those those two extra third-rounders as trade bait. Um, or, of course, they could sit there and, and use yeah. them. Um, you mentioned Ed Oliver, certainly another consideration. Jonah Williams would be an interesting option there as well. 
But a lot of people are going to be really excited if Burns is the pick. And you can certainly include me on that list. I think Kyle has really talked me into Burns and his impressive combine performance has has uh, just really solidified that. So so good job, Kyle. You've done yeah, it. I absolutely considered your pick or your trade back to 17. Um, but I think sticking and picking here is probably the best option. Unless the Packers do something in free agency that we don't foresee getting that edge rusher, uh, like someone like a Trey Flowers or something that could give them a little bit more flexibility when those offers come in. But um, I'm happy with the pick we made here at 12. Yeah, and so at pick 13, um, I'm the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take defense lineman Ed Oliver out of Houston. So, Kyle, my my question for you, what is wrong with Ed Oliver? I am really interested in this, and I actually pulled some stuff up just to kind of start watching, and, like, I don't see why he would be, like, a top couple pick, and then, like, all of a sudden he's available in the mid-teens. It's kind of crazy. For the last two years, everybody has been saying, this is the guy that's the number one pick. And then all of a sudden, we get to the pre-draft process, and he is sliding down every mock draft I've seen. And the best I can figure is he's a little light for an interior defensive lineman. He might not be athletic enough to play the edge, per se. But in my eyes, he is maybe the best player in this draft. Quinn and Williams and him are, are probably pretty close, and Williams has the better size. But Aaron Donald went later than he should have because of his size. And granted, Oliver is a little bit smaller than Aaron Donald, but I think an average result for Oliver gives you a Mike Daniels-like player at a minimum. But he has the potential to be even better than that. And for the Dolphins, they just need players. And a disruptive pass rusher has always been a key component and is going to be really attractive to their new head coach, Brian Flores. So um, I plugged Oliver in there. I, I still struggle to figure out why he's sliding, but... Yeah, and I pulled him up on film just uh, probably three or four days ago as we were kind of going through the combine just to figure out why is he falling in these mock drafts. And I, one question I had was he declared early last year. He was like the guy who crazy said basically before last year's draft that he was declaring for the 2019 draft. And so I pulled up Tate. I was like, maybe this is a guy who's going to just not look like his motor runs hot all the time. Like he's kind of entitled, like he's the most talented guy on the field. And that is not the case at all. He goes a hundred percent all the time. So again, like Andrew said, a lot of questions about why, but if he's there at 12 for the Packers, maybe somebody they think about, maybe someone Petten thinks he can get more pass rush out of from the middle instead of off the edge. So we'll keep that in mind as we move towards April, but Atlanta here now to get back on track, uh, selects offensive tackle Jonah Williams. And the Falcons are going to really upset Jonah Williams because I did announce him as an offensive tackle, but he's going to be playing guard for them. And I really do think that Williams can hold up at tackle. I'd love to see him get a shot there. But the Falcons need help on the interior of their offensive line. And Jonah Williams being on the board here, it's a great get for the Falcons and someone who can really help them in the middle of their offensive line for a long time. That's, that's a really interesting one. And then at pick 15, I'm going to give Washington wide receiver Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma. And I have said, I think Hollywood is going to slip because he won't be able to work out before the draft. So I, I've actually said he might fall into the second round, but he is super electric and he would add a dynamic to the Jay Gruden offense that has been really lacking since Deshaun Jackson left. So I think he's a pretty good fit for Washington. 
Yeah, absolutely. He definitely could and probably should fall, but we know the uh, NFL loves speed, and so it would not shock me if that does happen there. Uh, Carolina's up at 16, and they're selecting Edge Cleland Farrell from Clemson. Um, it's been report, reported that uh, Carolina is switching to a hybrid 4-3-3-4 defense, um, kind of away from their more typical 4-3 front that they've run in the past. So selecting someone like Farrell gives them a player who can play with his hand in the dirt or stand up a little bit, as he's done at Clemson, and rush the passer from a, from a two-point stance. Farrell might not be the elite athlete that guys like Burns or Sweat are, as they've tested at the Combine. But his production and his high motor will help him find a ton of success in this league. So Carolina gets a great player at 16 here. Yeah, and I don't like Cleveland Farrell for the Packers because I think he is kind of a tweener guy. But when you're running a hybrid system, I think the Patriots have showed that a player like Farrell can have a lot of success um, because you can create mismatches depending on the uh, offense that you're facing. So I picked 17 for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to go with cornerback Greedy Williams from LSU. He is arguably the top corner in the draft. Um, and even with his elite athletic measurements, he, he doesn't seem to be gaining a whole lot of forward momentum. So if Williams develops, then the Browns are going to have a great duel with him and Denzel Ward. And I think Greedy is actually somebody to watch to the Packers at 12 as a sleeper if the top edge rushers are all gone. I know I know Packer fans would not like that uh, corner, but um, it, it is a possibility. Mike Pettin loves his corners. That is true. I would be one that would be very upset if that were the pick. But uh, I do. They, you see a lot of mocks that have him going or saying that he's a lock for the top 10. And I really only see a home for him at like, eight to Detroit and maybe 10 uh, to the Broncos. So if he doesn't go there, he definitely should be on the board at 12. So we'll see uh, how that, how that falls Uh, at 18 Minnesota, the hated Minnesota Vikings um, take offensive lineman Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina state. And I hate picking good players for teams that I don't like. And so I hate giving the Minnesota Vikings a player of Bradbury's talent. He's probably the most athletic lineman in the draft, and his he's an ideal fit for a zone-blocking scheme. And on top of all that, he absolutely blew up the combine. With the Vikings openly stating that they want to prioritize getting more athletic on the offensive line, he makes a ton of sense for Minnesota and could be a little bit of a surprise to see an interior offensive line like this go this high. But I do think he's well worth the pick, and I'd hate to see him go to Minnesota. Yeah, he could be a really, really good one. Um, at 19 to Tennessee, I have Edge Ja'Kai Polite from Florida, and he certainly had a nightmare of a combine, but I think some of that is being a little bit overblown. If Polite can recover and put up solid measurements at the Florida Pro Day, the Titans are probably willing to look past a little bit of immaturity from a 20-year-old. And Polite and Harold Landry could form a fearsome rush duo that Packer fans would certainly be watching with a lot of jealousy. Absolutely. And there are a lot of Packers fans talking about maybe we get them at like pick 44 in the second round or something like that. Uh, But I do think you're right. I think a team is going to gamble a little bit earlier than that um, on the talent. And he is 20 years old. So you give a little bit of context there. A lot of room to grow up. The thing that did concern me the most about Polite, I will say, is that he says he doesn't watch film of himself. So that was a little bit concerning to me, and I think that will be a red flag for some teams. But um, The Pittsburgh Steelers are up at pick number 20, and linebacker is one of the Steelers' primary needs. And I've seen many Pittsburgh fans 
hope that by some miracle, Devin White falls to them. Well, in this scenario, we have done it. Uh, Devin White is still on the board, and I think he's well worth the selection here and could be a top 10 player. But uh, he's just an incredible athlete, but he's also a great locker room guy. And we all know that Pittsburgh needs some stability and some leadership in their locker room right now. So the Steelers kill two birds with one stone here, get a great player and a great locker room guy in linebacker Devin White from LSU. Yeah, and White seems to be a tremendous value here for the Steelers, like you said. But it just seems to me that Pittsburgh always lucks into situations like this. And Ryan Shazier came to mind immediately. I do think Devin White and Devin Bush are so similar. And inside linebacker has been devalued to the point where he could fall much lower than we're thinking. um, And maybe even all the way to 20. So at 21, I have the Seattle Seahawks taking defensive lineman Christian Wilkins from Clemson. Uh, Wilkins provides really good value here, and the Seahawks absolutely need to address the defensive line, so I just thought that was a perfect marriage. Absolutely. Number 22 overall is the Baltimore Ravens, and they select Devin Bush, as you were just mentioning, another great linebacker out of Michigan this time. Now, while Devin White is the consensus top linebacker in this class, I think Devin Bush might have the better pro career. That's my take. But I think he's just a little bit better in coverage and might even be better at the mental processing side of things. And with the news coming out of Baltimore that the Ravens will let C.J. Mosley test the free agent market, there is certainly a need for an athletic linebacker for the Ravens to fill that spot. So uh, Devin Bush from Michigan, number 22 overall to the Ravens. And at 23, I had the Houston Texans taking offensive tackle Andre Dillard from Washington State. And I'm not sure that anybody improved their draft stock more than Dillard did at the Combine. He's got the movement skills and measurables to play tackle. And we used to talk about having the skills, and I'm probably even guilty about this with some of the earlier picks, of, of saying that you have the skills to play left tackle. Um, but with pass rushers moving all over the place and, and many of them rushing over the right tackle, I, I think both are equally as critical. And the Texans are one of the teams with a big need at O-line and protecting Deshaun Watson, regardless of which side Dillard is able to play tackle, needs to be priority number one. And Dillard is someone that meets the Packers athletic thresholds for tackle. And so that would be probably a very upsetting pick for a lot of fans. But if all the top edge rushers are gone and Jawan Taylor, the top offensive tackle is gone, Andre Dillard is a name to watch that the Packers might just get a little sneaky with if they decide that they want to prioritize tackle in this draft. But uh, at number 24, the Oakland Raiders um, select Noah Fant from Iowa. Uh, Jared Cook is a free agent, and we haven't heard that the Raiders are going to get ready to re-sign him. And so here the Raiders get the younger, better version of Jared Cook in Noah Fant. Fant is basically a receiver in a tight end's body and would give Derek Carr a vertical threat and a safety net to help in the passing game. Fant is not the elite blocker that TJ Hawkinson is, but his combine testing will absolutely have teams drooling all over him, and he may just be the first tight end off the board like he is here uh, when we get to April. And then at pick 25, I have the Philadelphia Eagles drafting running back Joshua Jacobs out of Alabama. They are rumored to be sniffing around Le'Veon Bell, but Jacobs gives them a great option at running back without occupying that huge chunk of their salary cap that Bell would. Philly knows how to utilize multidimensional backs, and Jacobs certainly would be a great fit in their offense. And at number 26, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. 
Uh, the Colts had quite the 2018 season, and all signs point to this team being one of the up-and-coming teams in the AFC. Andrew Luck is back. They fixed the offensive line. But Andrew Luck could use some additional help and some additional weapons. They have their Z speed receiver in T.Y. Hilton, but they could use someone with a little bit more possession and yard-after-catch ability. Someone like Keel Harry is their guy and should be the great number two to Hilton and should find great success with someone like Andrew Luck in Indy. Yeah, and then at pick 27, the Oakland Raiders are back on the clock. This is the pick they got from Dallas uh, for Amari Cooper, and I had them taking cornerback Byron Murphy from Washington. And uh, Murphy might be the best corner in the, in the class. It goes back and forth between him and Greedy Williams. And while Williams has better measurables, Murphy is a really good player and projects as a future number one corner. I will say, though, I have a sneaking suspicion. This is my weird hot take of the week that this pick is actually going to belong to the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think the Raiders are going to trade 27 for Antonio Brown. That's definitely a possibility, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that. And it wouldn't be crazy to see the Steelers, uh, you know, get in here and take, you know, it's maybe the same player because they could use some help in the secondary as well. But uh, at number 28, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to break the hearts of Packers fans everywhere and select (laughs) TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. He was so close to falling to our pick at number 30, but here the Chargers take the best player on the board and someone who can lengthen the career of Phillip Rivers and give them a difference maker in the running game as well. You know, he's that great blocker, and I do think that San Diego knows they have Hunter Henry, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And we also know that the Chargers like to use two tight end sets. And at some point, you have to be willing to move on from Antonio Gates and the idea of Antonio Gates and the ghost of Antonio Gates. (laughs) So here they get their second tight end and could have a great duo of tight ends for a long time. Well, that's a heartbreaking one. But at, at pick 29, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking safety Deontay Thompson from Alabama. And watching where those safeties fall is going to be really interesting. Out of the big four, I definitely see one of them falling to pick 44. But Kansas City is going to have their pick of the litter, and they have a big need at safety. Um, Thompson certainly isn't my top of the board safety, but I think his versatility projects better with the Chiefs defense um, than any of the other available players. And at number 30, we are on the clock again with the Green Bay Packers, and we are selecting Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, offensive lineman. Uh, Reisner is the kind of blue-collar guy that I want playing offensive line for the Packers. I think Reisner can come in right away and play guard, and then in a year, he could even be the guy who challenges Brian Balaga or replaces him if they choose not to resign him. Uh, I love that he gives you that high floor as a starting guard and the ceiling of a future right tackle. So good value here at number 30, in my opinion, with Dalton Reisner. Yeah, Reisner makes a ton of sense. And I think there would be some trade-down options for a quarterback that would be really interesting. There's certainly the remaining safeties, a few other defenders, but Reisner fits a ton of need. So I got pick 31, and uh, that is the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going to take cornerback DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. He fits the mold of what the Rams could be losing in Aqib Tlaib and a potential replacement there. And even if they they were able to keep Tlaib, they will need to get younger at the position. And Georgia, uh, or the Georgia project, product, I should say, is a good value at the end of the first round. 
he slipped a little bit there and called him a Georgia project. I don't know. Well, you know, it could be true. I don't know. Um, number 32 overall is obviously the last pick in the first round for the New England Patriots. And they have been one of the most successful sports franchises ever. It pains me to say. But at some point, Tom Brady will retire and they will need another quarterback. And they had a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo that they were developing to be that guy. And then Brady decided that he's ageless. So they get to start this process all over here with selection of Daniel Jones from Duke and he might not have the elite traits that a team might be looking for but he's smart and he's the kind of leader that I think New England will value and is probably looking for in a successor to Tom Brady yeah and it will be interesting to see if New England is sniffing around Josh Rosen in the upcoming weeks as well So while we are not going to carry out the draft through the second round, there are some really interesting players still left on the board. You have safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida, uh, safety Nasir Adderley from Delaware, tight end Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama, the linebacker Mac Wilson from Alabama, a whole slew of wide receivers, and then a guy who is growing on me a little bit, and again, kudos to Kyle, Ed Chase Winovich of Michigan, who tested way higher than I ever would have thought. So lots and lots of options. Likelihood is that one of those players is still going to be around at pick 44 for the Packers in the second round. Um, So hopefully this is a a useful demonstration of how the draft could fall and how things could play out for the Packers. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please let us know what you thought of our mock draft. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We are going to be back next week with some coverage of NFL free agency. We're actually going to be able to talk about people that are signing. It's going to be super awesome. Super awesome. Super awesome. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap, rushes on, Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30, snap to Kaiser under pressure, immediately dumps it up right side, it's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack's had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. 
Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lost it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws a left, got Devontae inside the 10, head fake, cuts left to the 5, reaches pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on.